Hello, and welcome to Love the Game, Live the Dream. Join me, your host, Nick Holmes, and my array of guests as we prove to you that you don't have to be a Hall of Fame player, a first-round draft pick, or even a high school standout, for that matter, to have a successful career in the sport of baseball. This podcast is brought to you by World Baseball Experience. Love the Game, Live the Dream is an entertaining yet insightful look at some of the baseball world's brightest and most talented minds. You're going to hear the life stories, struggles, and triumphs of everyday coaches, scouts, executives, and even entrepreneurs that are making their mark in baseball and in life by pursuing their passion and love of the greatest game on earth. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy Love the Game, Live the Dream. Hey gang, welcome back to another episode of Love the Game, Live the Dream. As always, I have a special guest on the show today, another great baseball mind, and I'm excited to introduce you guys to Pete Caliendo. Now, some of you may already know who Pete is. He's been in the baseball business for over 35 years. Uh, give you a little bit of background. He got his start at the world-famous Mickey Owen Baseball School as a 12-year-old camper, and he had such a great time that he started his coaching career at the age of 17 at that very same baseball school. And later, he became director of the uh, 12U baseball program along with coaching some of the high school age teams. And after 10 years at Mickey Owens Baseball School, Pete started a satellite program in the Chicagoland area called Baseball Schools USA. And there, he set up over 25 schools throughout the Chicagoland area, which averaged over 60 players uh, per camp. Uh, then he moved on to director of baseball operations operations and coach for the Schaumburg Flyers, which is a professional independent team based in Illinois. And there, Pete had over 26 players signed with major league organizations. As well, the Flyers made it to the playoffs in their opening season. So he had a good amount of success while he was there. Pete served as the director of coach of the Pan Am Baseball Association, which was a pilot program started by the former CEO of USA Baseball, Dick Case. Uh, after six years with USA Baseball, he made a program official. Um, and his experience also included the Belgium Baseball Federation national team and the 1999 Team USA, which was a team with professionals that competed in Australia's international, excuse me, intercontinental cup the year before the Olympics in Australia. Pete also served as director for USA Athletes International Baseball Operations. While living in Europe at that time, he became an associate scout with the Toronto Blue Jays for international scout there, uh, Wayne Morgan. Pete is currently the president of Caliendo Sports International, a worldwide company that trains individuals, teams, coaches, parents, and deals in professional baseball operations worldwide. Training volunteer coaches has been a specialty of Caliendo Sports International for over 35 years. So Pete's 35-plus years of training coaches around the world continues by being a volunteer as vice president of the International Sports Group, a nonprofit organization which hosts coaches' training programs around the world, and they've been doing that for over 25 years now. Uh, in January 2011, Pete received the American Baseball Coaches Association Meritorious Award. Now, the ABC is the largest baseball organization of college and high school coaches in the United States. And Pete attributes all of his success in life to his parents' upbringing of him and his brother Paul. Uh, Pete says, quote, My parents made the ultimate sacrifice coming to the USA at a very young age from Italy, not knowing anyone so that my brother and I would have a better life. 
end quote. So I'm excited to introduce you guys to Pete Caliendo. As I mentioned, some of you may already know him. Uh, I stalked him on social media platforms for a little over a year before I finally got the opportunity to connect with him here in Nanaimo, BC last February, where we worked together in a baseball clinic here for the uh, athletes and, and baseball players in Nanaimo. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with Pete Caliendo. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, Pete. Nick, great to be on your show, and congratulations on starting a great podcast. Thank you very much, man. I tell you, it's it's been a labor of love for sure, but uh, I, uh, we were laughing a little bit offline there. We finally got together after uh, several um, instances with um, technical difficulty, if you will, <laughs> and, and the fact you're, you're, you're always traveling, man. You're a tough guy to get a hold of, so I'm glad I caught you here. Uh, while you at home in Chicago for the holidays? I am, I am. I was gone from November 19th. Uh, I was in Cuba speaking at a conference there, and then I had to go to Curacao. We did a coaching clinic with the International Sports Group, and then we went on to Aruba, and I just got back yesterday. Um, so I'm glad to be home and glad to be talking to you on this podcast. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, I got some some good questions in, uh, in line for you today, but I want to start from the beginning, as I do with all stories here. Uh, tell the listeners a little bit about uh, you know where you were born, where you grew up. I think it's a, a great story to share with them. And then if you could work in there your, uh, your first uh, interest in baseball and how you got started. Absolutely. I was definitely born in the U.S., born in Chicago, and then at the age of three, my parents sent me to Italy, to Rome, actually, to live with my grandparents. I think a twofold thing. One, to wow. learn the language, and two, you know, when uh, when you've got American parents or Italian parents who come over to the U.S., who had a lot of guts, they came over, and my dad came on his own, you know, and started um, to meet people, didn't know anybody, and then brought my ma here. You know, you're going to have a little stress, and I think between my brother and I, there was a little stress going on with my mom being at home, my dad working. So they sent uh-huh. me away for those three years, but, you know, they, obviously they came over there, and my mom had identical twins, and so it made it easier on me, you know, being in Rome with my aunt. And uh, from there, I came back home when I was six or seven. And as far as baseball is concerned, you know, I had to go back to school and learn English because I didn't speak English. Wow. Uh, Italian was my first language. Huh. A great experience. And it carried over into baseball, believe it or not. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah, and then at that age, I had to, um, you know, I, I started late playing baseball, but right around nine years old. But I loved it like any other kid. And why they just keep going? And one day I saw this thing when I was 14, I think I was, and I saw in Baseball Digest, Mickey Owen Baseball School, a place where you can go away for school for the whole summer. What a great wow. time. I said, yeah. you know, I asked my parents, you know, being blue-collar workers, you know, they're going to do, they would do what I, you know, what they what, what they could for me if I really loved it, whether it be myself or my brother. But they just didn't want to waste the money. But they did it and said, you know, since you love it, we'll, we'll take care of it. We went there. Um, unbelievable experience. Uh, but I got to tell you, when I got there, Chicago kid being in the middle of nowhere in Springfield, near Springfield, Missouri, town called Miller, Missouri, about, I don't know, 40, 50 acres baseball camp with, you know, uh, log cabins, no air conditioning, the strangest bugs you'd ever <laughs> see in the world that I've never seen in mm-hmm. Chicago. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a, bit, a little bit of a shock. It was a jury day. It was the first day of camp, but it was a jury day. It was check-in. It was raining. You know, it just didn't look great at the time. And I said, you know what, I'm not sure I really want to be here. Well, that didn't go real well my parents. You know, that, the simple answer was, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you want. We paid for it. You wanted to do it. Now you're sticking it out to the end. If you don't like it at the end, you know, then you never go back. But you're going to stick it out. So that was another learning experience, I think, you know, from a, from a kid's standpoint that you got to, if you're going to do something to make yeah. a commitment, go for it. Uh, so then from there, um, got lucky. You know, I was a student, maintained fields for, a whole, you know, those four months, umpired 100 games, played 100 games, 
went to all the practices also, became a counselor, um, and then from there became an instructor. Uh, I was a student at, uh, I mean, an instructor about 17, and then became director of baseball instruction um, for 12 and under, and then everything else snowballed. Mm -hmm. That's where I met my mentor, Dick Birmingham. Um, Ken Rizzo was the owner of the facility, was really supportive, but became, became a very good friend. But Dick Birmingham was my mentor, took me, you know, under his wings and helped me out a lot when it came to the development of the game, the teaching, and then also worldwide uh, helped me, you know. And from there, everything snowballed because I was with some great instructors. I got to meet some great people. And then after Mickey owned baseball school, I came back to Chicago for the owner and, uh, and Dick, and we started Baseball Schools USA. Uh, those were instructional camps within you know, different communities, over 30 communities in Chicago. It went real well. I headed it up. It was over 65 kids a camp. Um, and then from there, everything else just snowballed. So that was kind of a quick synops synopsis of a, you know, a quick view of where I started and then everything else. Now, 38 years later, you know, been lucky in what I'm doing. Yeah, definitely want to get into uh, that a little bit later in the show here, too, to um, find out what you've been doing recently. But going back to that, uh, you mentioned you were, what, 12 or 14 when you, you went to that first camp? Yeah, I was an I was a student at Mickey Owen. I believe yeah, I believe it was fourteen, and then became a counselor at fifteen or sixteen, right around there. I'm guessing that was your first job in the in the real world, right? Was a, a camp counselor, or did you do any other jobs? No, well, you know what? You're a good question. When I I grew up in an Italian community here in Chicago, Elmwood Park, and there was Johnny's Beef Stand two blocks from my house. <laughs> and I, at twelve years old, man, I was working at the beef stand in the back, cleaning up. You know, okay. I delivered newspapers. Yeah, so I. You know, uh, my parents had me doing stuff when I was young and appreciating saving money up early, understanding how to save money and why it's important. Sure. That's great. So after, you know, doing a few years as a counselor there, was it evident that that was going to be your career path or, or were you thinking, you know, I'm going to go to college and do this and, and uh, you know, maybe study business or something else? Or did you know right then and there, like baseball is what I want to do the rest of my life? I knew baseball. I loved it. I loved, you know, the sport itself. I, you know, like any other young kid, I would. I wasn't going to have anybody tell me no, you know, I was going to make it to the big leagues. That was the goal, sure. obviously, like any other kid. I yeah. really didn't know that this sport was going to take me where I am today. No idea. It, it just kind of happened. Um, then it wasn't a goal where, you know, I was going to, you know, go into coaching or go into professional baseball, independent ball or, or team mm -hmm. USA or anything like that. I just, it, I just took it a day at a time and just whatever came forward actually. And, and I, I got to tell you this at Mickey on baseball school, when I was umpiring, Carl Luton, who was the head of umpires at the time, minor league umpire, who also worked on the interpretations rule um, mm -hmm. for Major League Baseball, um, said to me, hey, you know what, um, I think you should go to umpire school. And, he, and I said, well, I can't mm -hmm. afford it. He said, well, I'll pay for you, which, you know, just gave wow. you an idea that that really was the area that maybe, you know, was an area I should have gone into. But, and I loved umpiring, but obviously I loved base, you know, playing a little bit more, so I went that avenue. Wow, that's so cool, man. So you were real close to being on your way to being a, an umpire instead of a coach. Absolutely. Very close. If I would have taken that from Carl, um, you know, how many people come up to you and say, oh, I'll spend $2,000 on you because I believe, you know, sure. you're that good. I would assume because I was umpiring at 15, 16, I was umpiring college guys, pro guys, because at Mickey Owen, teams would come from all over the area and play the older guys. Um, and we, and I would umpire those games, uh, that he would place me there behind home plate on the bases. I was took control. I, I loved it. I had, I, I'm not going to say I didn't have any problems, but it came easy to me. Sure. Sure. You were a natural. Yeah. 
It seemed like yeah, it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. So moving a little bit further ahead here in the timeline, you're uh, did you now? Did you end up going to to school in in the states, or did you study abroad? Or no, I, I came back uh, with, you know to work the camps of Mickey Owen here in Chicago, where I'm from, obviously. Uh-huh. And uh, no, I went to University of Illinois Chicago. First of all, I started Western Illinois. I went one year. Um, it was just too much being away from home. It was tougher on me. So I came back, um, and I went to University of Illinois Chicago, which is downtown. Um, the sister school of U of I, and then and I got a chance to play there, you know, as a utility player, basically learned all the, you know, I knew, and you had to play different positions that was just average to below average. So I would play when somebody gets hurt, I would play when, you know, and need be. So I'd play more often because I knew more positions. Um, so that's where I went. I went to UIC, um, while I lived here in Chicago. What did you study in school? It was actually, a, I was a pre-law major, um, with a criminal justice ba- background also, I, uh, my goal, I do remember this, my goal was to be a, you know, an FBI agent, CIA, Secret Service. I really enjoyed that kind of stuff. And I, I got a little glimpse of it when I was at UIC. By the way, that's the, everybody knows it now as the, you know, as the school where Curtis Granderson went to. Oh, he graduated cool. about, I don't know, five, six years later, maybe longer. But uh, our, our um, co- baseball coach was the um, ch- uh, chancellor of, of uh, administration at the school. And he had a program called Student Patrol which because he was a baseball coach, he put on a lot of the baseball players on this student patrol. And that was the eyes and ears of the police on campus. But it was a full-time police force, undercover police and uh, plain clothes on campus. But it was state jurisdiction. So they had more jurisdiction than the Chicago police. We worked for them. And I got a good, you know, good idea of how, you know, that, that kind of works. And, but again, you know, as I, when I finished graduating, I went via the baseball again and continued with Mickey Owen Baseball School and Baseball Schools USA here in Chicago. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but so after you're doing some coaching, you're, you're with uh, Team USA for how many years? Well, I, I was with them from 1996, and that was a little different because before that, you know, because of Birmingham and, and Rizzo, they, they hired me here in Chicago to run the baseball schools. And then from there, it snowballed into um, the opportunity where I met a, a gentleman because of Dick Birmingham, but Kevin Whitworth, who had these teams that were going around the world. We became great friends. He's from St. Louis, and he had he had a program where USA Baseball. Dick Case, at the time at the time was the president, CEO, and Dick and I have known Dick, worked with him, um, and Kevin had this program arranged with Dick where hey, let's have a national team at 16. Even though USA Baseball at the time didn't have the money to start a program, but you guys started at that time. Kevin's program was called the International Athletic Foundation. It would basically take teams around the world for fun. But Dick had given them the ability to select the national team at 16 and play the official Pan Am games. So we were playing the best teams in you know, North, Central, South America, and the Caribbean, probably the best teams in the world. Um, and I went to Kevin. As Kevin and I were talking, Kevin gave me the opportunity to head up this program uh, because he was obviously busy with all the other teams traveling around the world. So I'm going to make a long story short. We utilized our best you know, contacts around the state, every state. I mean, we're talking about whether it be Dick Birmingham or Gordy Gillespie, college coach, uh, Bill Olson, all different experts around high school, college, to help identify 16 and under, which at that time we didn't have showcases and all the technology they have now. We put together the national team. I raised my own salary. I raised money um, to run the program. And, again, we were very lucky to have the right people involved in it to be able to select some very good players and compete at a high level. And we won uh, in six years, we won three golds, three silvers and over 25 players in the big leagues. Now, let alone all the guys that went to the minors and, and a bunch of guys that went to college baseball. Um, uh, then at that time, 
USA Baseball then, because it proved to be a very good pilot program, took over the program and started an official national team at 16. Yeah, that was a, it was a, it was a, it was a ride because you know we, I, I got a chance to go you know all over Latin America, uh, attend Copabe meetings, which is the governing body of the of the sport. Um, in Latin America, um, meet a lot of people, not only that, but also, you know, deal with the players, deal with the parents, set up the program, set up the trips that we were going. So we were playing in, every year in the Pan Am Games at 16, but then we were also given the ability to play at 14 and 12. So we had that experience too. And it wasn't easy trying to put national teams together at those age groups. How, how many countries have you been in total, Pete? You quit counting. You know what? Hard to count. I think the last time I had, yeah, last time I, I, I should probably count, probably 30 30 plus countries and I've been lucky been you know most of them have been well either some of them been multiple times like Brazil and Argentina because we play in the Pan Am games but then you know with the international sports group and traveling the world educating coaches as you know and you know that's brought me to a lot of countries and then some private invitations to do certification mm-hmm. courses for countries um, and then not to mention you know with the World Baseball Softball Confederation now as a volunteer on the technical committee over 17 years that's brought me to different countries so it just kind of multiplies and it just kept snowballing man it's been great because it gives you it gives you a bigger perspective of the game of baseball than it would you know from a from a city or state or or country which country that you've been to you know working with their federations or or otherwise do you feel has the most potential to really take you know baseball as a game and and get competitive that's not already there like you know not your dominicans in panama but what what country would you say is uh maybe we should be on the lookout for that that's going to be you know rising in the, the baseball world sure that's an interesting question um i think that's a that's an excellent question because it entails a few things early on Early on in my career, it would have been Brazil, simply because the president of Brazil Baseball Federation, um, not, not only being Japanese, but mo- a lot of Japanese migrated in Brazil, and, um, and they started a program there. And, and for, for a small program, they did an outstanding job, especially at the younger levels. Um, so that was one country I thought would be up and up. Uh, matter of fact, in the World Baseball Classic, um, uh, you know, they competed, did okay. Um, that would be one. Now, when I coached in Belgium as a national team coach, I competed in the European Championships, and at the time, you know, it was, uh, I believe, it was the Soviet Union, and, um, you know, they were they were probably the fastest growing when it came to be competition and less years involved in, in, in it, but unfortunately, when it broke up, that kind of dismantled that area. Um, so if you look at it exactly today, um, you know, it's not easy from the standpoint. I mean, you got to look at Canada, but, you know, a lot of people already know about Canada. Um, you got to look at Australia. Just because of size of countries, you know, 30 plus million, yet they compete at, at, at the top levels. You know, both countries, they compete in, in not only in the Olympics, at also at the mo- major sports, but in baseball, they compete all the time. Um, so you got to give them a lot of credit. And a lot of that has to do with their coaches' educational program. Um, that's the reason they've been able to compete. When you, when, what I think is going to be an up and coming, um, area around the world, I would have to say the Eastern Bloc countries like mm-hmm. Bulgaria and, and um, you know, uh, uh, Ukraine. And simply because they have the, the passion and they've got the athletes that are really starting to develop. Um, and if you, we put more resources in that area, you're going to see some top athletes coming out of there in the baseball. But that's going to take a little time. But that's, the, that's really a hotbed right now if, if, the correct, if the right things happen and, uh, and they get enough help. Um, you got to look at, you know, someone that's been really up and coming, the Czech Republic in Europe and also Germany. Um, now, they've had more time to develop, but I think the Czechs have really done a great job. Um, 
you know, and then when you look at Latin America, I mean, you know, you've got some great countries. So really, I, I got to believe those are some of the countries that you're going to see up mm-hmm. and coming, if anything, when it comes to baseball worldwide. And we're at to about, what, 120, 125 countries that have, have baseball? I believe so, and growing, you know, in the, in the World Baseball Softball Confederation, who just recently changed their name from the International Baseball Federation, um, is really working hard to develop the sport worldwide. They've got some great initiatives mm-hmm. that are just starting right now um, that I think will will take place, you know, one being, you know, to try to grow the game worldwide. And obviously, you know, Major League Baseball is trying to grow the game. Um, and along with, uh, you know, individual federations, they're all trying to grow the game. But that's why I think one reason it, it actually will be in the Olympics in 2020 in Japan is not only because Japan put a lot of pressure on the IOC, but also uh, being a host country, it's a no-brainer financially. But also, the, but also the, the sport is growing, and I think, the, you know, the IOC and others are seeing that, and there's a lot of participation, so it's looking good. Would, would you say you're – career now is more of an entrepreneurial type career than than just coaching i mean you you've got you a couple businesses here uh with the the travel business and you know caliendo sports and all that i mean do do you consider yourself an entrepreneur absolutely um you know when i left uh you know i got a chance with uh in between jobs i was with um uh Bill Eddington, Bill Eddington, excuse me, who had a program that was traveling around the world sports-wise, and had a and that was a great experience for me. And then went on to the Schomburg Flyers, who again was I was working for somebody at the time. And then, uh, believe it or not, uh, September 11th, about two days before, um, I decided to go on my own. You know what a great time to go on your own. You didn't know, you know. September 11th was going to happen, but I was good. I went on my own to, to kind of work, uh, you know, take teams around the world, especially baseball teams for a cultural, you know, baseball experience. And that was kind of a shock because, you know, people stopped traveling a little bit there. So yeah, that's where I started as an entrepreneur. And I'll tell you what, I got to tell you, Nick, I'm so happy to be able to do that because as an entrepreneur, um, you're able to set your own destiny, you're able to set your own time schedule. You know, if you make a mistake, that's your fault. You're not bl- you know, you're not blamed for a mistake somebody else made, or you're not, you know, you don't have to make a, you don't have to do something because somebody else made a decision. You're able to make the decision, and and as a, and having clients, you know, basically the bottom line stops here. So if somebody doesn't like something, they come to me, um, and I really like that. So being an entrepreneur, whether it be with teams that are traveling around the world, you know, for fun, um, whether it be the coaching you know, um, seminars. Uh, or anything else I do in the game, yeah, I really enjoy it. And I love the different um, things that I, you know, different projects I'm able to do. That also keeps the, um, you know, doesn't st- it's not stale. It kind of keeps you fresh because you're doing different things. Yeah, for sure. I did, we, we talked about this a little bit uh, when we uh, did the clinic in Nanaimo about the, mm-hmm. the business end of stuff. And um, give me an example of, you know, one or two of the challenges that you you know, have run into while you've built this, um, this baseball business for yourself. Uh, can you give us an example of maybe, a? I mean, I guess I could use the word, uh, a failure or a setback that, uh, that you, uh, encountered that mm-hmm. actually ended up leading to, um, some further success. Sure. First of all, um, I, I would say, you know, well, first, the most difficult part about the job is, and I kept it this way. I keep it small because, you know, I feel comfortable that way. I, I don't have any employees, um, you know, I, I, I decide how many trips I want to do. Um, I, I look at the numbers and decide, you know, financially, here's, you know, here's what we need to reach. Um, but I would say the toughest thing about it is, you know, going out and finding the people who want to be involved in the program. 
um, that's difficult. Uh, as far as setbacks, um, sometimes a setback might be, you know, if something happens in a particular country where now you can't travel there and I, and you've got to refund the money, um, you know, that, that, that's a setback that, but you know, like anything else when you're going to have setbacks, but also the next day there's something else that comes up that, that, that kind of opens up and, you know, brightens your day. Because what I, what I noticed was every day something new can happen, whether it be good or bad, you just got to keep going. And if you really believe in it and it's really something you want to do, you got to sacrifice a little bit. And, you know, I know early on when I started, you know, when I talked about, you know, the Team USA and the Pan Am program, when I went to Kevin Whitworth, it, it wasn't Kevin saying, here's a salary um, and here's what I'll do for you. Um, it was me, you know, going to Kevin and saying, hey, Kev, you know, I'd love to run this program. Let me, you know, I'll raise my own salary. So I kind of went on a limb a little bit. And sometimes you got to do that if you're going to progress. Um, you know, nowadays I see a lot of young guys wanting things a little bit too quick. Um, you know, and unfortunately that doesn't happen that way. You got to earn it. Yeah. No, that's great advice. In fact, you, you just took my next question. Yeah. Which was be, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I was just going to say, if you had a piece of advice, you know, this, this podcast is called love the game, live the dream. And it's aimed towards the listeners out there that are wanting to uh, figure out a way to, you know, stay involved in baseball and continue a career if they're already in it, or maybe even stop what they're doing uh, because they can't stop thinking about being a baseball coach or a scout mm-hmm. or maybe a front office guy. And so that's that's why I developed this, you know, why I started this podcast is to interview guys like you and myself um, that, you know, are living proof that you don't have to be drafted in the top 10 rounds and you don't have to have a, you know, a major league uh, all-star career in order to to work in baseball. And, sure. uh, you know, like I said, I mean, you're, you're just living proof of it. 35 plus years now, you've you've been involved in all these different facets, you know, which has just been incredible from from coaching to, you know, running the trips and now, you know, running your own business. Uh, so I think it's great stuff. And like I said, you if, if you wanted to add one more piece of advice for someone starting out, decided today or this week, you know, I'm tired of, uh, you know, pushing pencils and working in this law firm or like, like you were going to be a lawyer. Right. So maybe talk, talk sure. to that guy that that the. Uh, can't stop thinking about baseball what what can he do to get get himself started you know what first of all there's definitely if you're gonna do it um you got to stay with it you know if uh if you run into issues problems you got to keep going because of the fact that if you stay with it good things will happen if you're doing the right thing you know if you're doing the things honestly um the good things will happen if you're in long enough most guys will start and then they get setbacks and they, and they stop you know if you're a person you know that maybe is older who has you know a wife and kids and it's tough financially well then start it on the side a little bit um and see how it goes before you can make that transition um, but like anything else uh, and you know warren i heard warren buffett and, and, and bill gates talk about this and it's amazing those guys are multi-billionaires that you know their comments were and i believe in this they, were, they weren't looking at the money aspect uh, they you know what they said was you know, they were passionate about what they're doing they had no idea that they're going to make the money they're going to make they did what they did what they're doing now is because that's what they loved and the passion they had. Well, if you got passion for it, especially if you're a young guy, you know, and you can live at home a little bit or you can make some sacrifices where you're living and what you're spending, then make the sacrifice because ultimately it will, it will, you know, good things will happen if you stay in and if you're a good person, obviously if you're trying to finagle things and you're trying to, you know, cut down people and, you know, and be a, you know, cutthroat person, that stuff's going to catch up to you um, and, and, and you're going to get hurt by it. But if you're an honest person, you do the right things and you work hard, um, and, and, and do the things you need to do in the game. Um, trust me, good things will happen. I, I didn't have any talent for any of this. Um, 
and, and, and I just stayed in it long enough, met the right people. Um, you know, and the other thing is, I'd have to say one last thing, is go out and meet people. Um, I remember here in Chicago, I'm the president at that time for 10 years of the Pitch and Hit Club, which is a professional organization of scouts, and it's been around since 1949. I was lucky to be president. When I left being president, um, I told other guys, listen, you want to do this because you're going to meet some great people. Now, you're going to put in a lot of time. You're not going to get anything for it. It's a volunteer position. But in return, you're going to meet a lot of great people, and you never know, you know, who you meet at what time and what how that can impact your career or your life. So the other thing is volunteer your time sometimes, give back to the game, um, and I think that'll help you also. Who would you say is, has been, you know, your biggest supporter or your biggest person in your corner outside of your family that's helped you along the way here? Yeah, from a, from a standpoint of discipline, ethics, you know, being an ethical person brought up, well, you know, my mom and dad, obviously, if it wasn't for the way they brought me up, I wouldn't have the thing, I, you know, I wouldn't have the attitude I am now, um, you know, certainly make mistakes, but because of my dad and because of my mom, you know, I'm, I watch what I do. I'm honest. You know, I don't, I don't try to use people, you know, so from that standpoint, but from the baseball standpoint, you know, Dick Birmingham, you know, he went out of his way to, you know, introduce me to people at all levels, anytime. He introduced me to the American Baseball Coaches Association, largest baseball convention in the world. I'm, as a matter of fact, I just got my membership, 35 years, continuous membership and um, going to the convention, this will be my 35th, if God bless, you know, if I can make it in Indianapolis. I hope you, know, you do, because I'll be there this year, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Then we'll get a chance to sit down. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Um, but that, that, you know, because of him, it gave me that opportunity along with that, obviously there's been others. Sure. Um, you know, my wife has been supportive and I mean, she, she's done so much for me. I can't even, we, we don't even have enough on the show time wise, but, but then you, you know, and I would like to mention, you know, I've got Terriers, who I've known for over 30 years, who's been like a mentor here in Chicago, Jim Hall, another baseball coach here in Chicago, who've done a lot for me. Um, I'm sure I'm going to miss some, but the ones that have really been there, um, they've been great. And yeah, without them, you know, you're, there's no way you're going to be able to do everything on your own. You need some doors open. Um, you need somebody that believes in you. And that's why I think some guys, if you don't have one, look for one, try to find yourself a mentor, ask them mm-hmm. to mentor you because guys like doing that, especially good people. They'll, they'll go out and mentor you and help you out, give you advice. Um, and I think that goes a long ways in trying to establish yourself in the game and, and, yeah, and make a career definitely. in baseball. No, I, I agree with you for sure. I, I, I did. I took that advice when I got started, uh, almost 20 years ago as well. And just went and found somebody and said, Hey, would you mind mentoring me? <laughs> you won't know until you ask, right? <laughs> exactly. For me, I was lucky because Dick just happened to be there for me when I was 15 and he never gave up. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, so in your, uh, 35 plus years here in the game of baseball, you've watched a, a lot of things evolve. You know, baseball does kind of move slowly in the evolution process, but uh, I, I know you've seen a lot, you know, change in the last 35 years. Yeah. Uh, what's one thing that sticks out for you, whether it's, you know, coaching or the players or anything at all that just kind of jumps to the forefront of your of your brain there that's changed, you know, the most in the last, say, we'll say two decades? Well, you know, the, I guess you could say the game is the game, but it definitely has evolved um, from the standpoint of, as you know, you know, cybermetrics and statistics and and all kinds of things like launch angle and spin rate and all these things that, uh, you know, you, you could kind of surmise with science. You know, science is the, the thing that's really changed. It's made us better teachers, better coaches, and having an understanding what really happens 
we, whether you're talking about particular skills or whether you're talking about the fundamentals, you know, it, it's, it's easier to teach it because we understand it better. Um, that, you know, makes us better teachers. Let's put it that way. Um, as far as, you know, players, yeah, players are changing a little bit, you know, because of technology. Um, and sometimes, you know, unfortunately, depending where you come from also because of, you know, they get a little bit more spoiled, um, so from the from the from the tough part, I think you know players have changed. You got to learn how to coach you know players a little bit differently nowadays than you did in the past. Um, but also um, when you look at the showcases out there, travel teams, that's a new era of baseball. It's good and it's bad depending on how you look at it. Um, because like anything else, there's some good things and some bad things. You know, showcases are great, but the problem is there's so many of them, and kids are getting accustomed to showcases. They think that's how you play the game. Well, unfortunately that, you know, showcases, you get a couple chances in the real life, you know, the game moves fast and you make mistakes. Um, you can't go back and just shut it off and start over again. Um, from the standpoint of travel teams, I think the travel teams are good for competitive people. Um, you know, where players can, you know, play at a high level competition, but I think it's gotten a little bit out of hand, um, because now we, everybody's on a travel team and everybody's playing all year round. And that's a detriment. Science has showed that, Kids need the break. You know they need a break. They, they shouldn't be playing baseball year round. They should be playing other sports, having fun, being real kids. Um, but there's a lot of pressure in that perspective. Um, so that's kind of like the games evolved a little bit in those areas. Good and again, good or bad. Um, but and then we'll see where it all where all this takes us. Yeah, you got eight year olds playing 145 games a year. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's just not good. It's not good for the body. Science, t- you know, doctors will tell you that. Um, oh, yeah. And parents need to understand that. And you know what? Just if you look at major league players, I think it's like ninety-five and plus percent of them played multiple sports. You know, you know that just gives you an idea. Not that everybody's going to make it to the big leagues. It's a very small number. Um, but I'll bet if you track most of these young kids at eight years old playing travel ball, they're probably after high school not playing baseball anymore. That's right. So we've gotten a lot of good advice from from you personally, and you've shared some advice that you you've gotten along the way. Have you heard any? Any bad advice out there? You know what? Um, I don't know about bad advice, but what I'm disappointed in that the game has taken this long. You know, everybody wants to grow the game, right? Where they, they, you know, and even Major League Baseball, they're concerned with growing the game at the grassroots level. The average person watching baseball games nowadays is like 50, 50 years and older, mm-hmm. which that was, you know, brought in by Major League Baseball. They stated that. Um, and one one thing I know that to grow the game, you got to be able to educate coaches. Um, if you can educate the coaches, they're going to make the game fun for the kids. They're going to be able to recruit kids to the game. So one thing I'm really disappointed in, I think mm-hmm. we have not, we have done a really not a very good job either in the U S and also in some parts of the world, not all of them, but in some parts of the world, um, not educating our volunteer coaches, not assisting them. I think we've done a, a really bad job there up till, you know, maybe, you know, five years ago. Um, so I, you know, as you know, Nick, I'm a big advocate of the development of volunteer coaches. It's the biggest coaching association in the world. We need to help them. That's how you grow the game. That's how you keep kids in the game longer. If they're doing the right things, they're volunteers. We need the system. So mm-hmm. I think, if anything, that would be it. Um, bad, I mean, as far as that bad advice that's out there, um, I think in every skill or every teacher, if you don't stay up you know, with the technology, the science, um, we've all given bad advice. Let's just face it. Um, mm-hmm. I taught things in the past that now you look at science that says, you know what, that wasn't very good what you were teaching. Well, you know, if you're as a coach, you're willing to evolve and, and learn and understand, 
um, then, you know, you're going to make mistakes because you're doing your best. Mate, sometimes it's through trial and error. Sometimes it's through, you know, but now it can be through science, understanding it better. So if anything, where we fail is not staying up with the science and not teaching up-to-date things, um, that's where we fail some kids sometimes. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. I think that the it all starts at the grassroots. You got to get these volunteer coaches up to speed and developing them to, to be good coaches so that they can pass it on to the next generation. So we talked a little bit about early on in your career, you you had thought about doing a, a career in uh, in law and even even more specific into the FBI. Is that something that you know you look back and have any kind of regrets at all? No regrets at all, 100%. Um, my mom may have some regrets because, you know, she still asked me as of today, you know, what do you do? Because, um, she, you know, she's still not sure what I'm doing with my life. Um, but no regrets. I mean, you couldn't, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better life from the standpoint that, you know, I, I don't have a name. I didn't have a name. Um, but yet I've been able to travel the world, be with some of the top instructors in the world, meet some of the top people in the game. In the, I mean, in the world, um, you know, you, you just couldn't ask for a better, better situation. Um, because, you know, most of the time, some of these things happen to guys who maybe played in the big leagues, you know, have big names and retired and then were able to do something else because of their name. And also because they're good. Um, but you know, I didn't have that opportunity. Mine was, you know, because people helped me. And next thing you know, you know, I'm working the Olympics. I'm working the Pan Am Games. I'm, the, I'm, I'm a technical director, technical committee for the World Cup, um, which was held in seven countries. I mean, I've been given responsibilities that, you know, I'm not really sure I deserve, but yet I got them. And you couldn't ask for anything better than that. I, I just there's no way I can regret any of it. Isn't that amazing how life works out when uh, when you don't uh, really have you know, any plans for it? You know, Nick, not, not to mention, um, I got to mention it because Paul Seiler, you know, the CEO current of USA Baseball, I've known him for over 30 years. He was an intern when, he, when I first started with Dick Case with the project. You know, Paul was the one who had recommended me to the International Baseball Federation at the time. And because of that is why I worked the Olympic and so forth. But I also got a chance to be a a national team coach with our professional team in 1999, which was a combination of independent and affiliate players, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to represent your country. You know how many coaches around the U.S. don't have that opportunity, would love it, and yet here I got a chance to do that. Why? Because, you know, right place, right time, stuck stuck into the game. You know, I stayed with it. You know, I went through the ups and downs. I didn't give up. Um, and doors open and things happen. And next, you know, you're representing your country, which is there, there's no greater thrill in the world than doing that. So there's no uh, how I can regret anything. I'm not really sure. That's good stuff. Very well put, too. So, you know, listeners out there, if you're uh, interested in trying to figure out a way to get into baseball, plenty of opportunities out there. It start off by volunteering at your you know local little league or high school, you know, anything that you can do to get your feet in the door. But I think um, one of the one of the things that Pete mentioned, which I agree with 100 percent, is it, it's about sticking with it and, and meeting people, you know, making relationships. You know, too many people are afraid to do that mm-hmm. nowadays. You know, it's it's, uh, you know, like you were saying, it's a digital world. And a lot of times uh, we lose the human human side of things uh, by getting stuck behind our phones and our computers and texting and all this stuff. And uh, that's why I'm excited to go to the coaches convention. And hopefully I'll get a chance to see you there, buddy, and uh, get, get a chance to rub elbows with mm-hmm. everybody and find out how, um, you know, everyone, all the other coaches are doing in their career and, you know, and, and above all learning, right. We continue to learn, right. Pete? Absolutely. Absolutely. And save that Thursday night. We have our, um, 
excuse me, our international ABC international meetings, which I think you'll enjoy a great deal. Um, and, and, you know, and obviously going to the ABCA, you, you, that's where you meet everybody, right? Um, you not only do you learn, um, and, but you also meet a lot of people, you have social events, you have places where you sit down in the hallway or maybe in a room and talk baseball and learn from others about the game. And, 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 you know, like you, Nick, you know, I'm a constant learner. If you don't, excuse me, if you don't learn something every day, um, you're just not getting any better. Um, so just spend those two, three minutes trying to learn something every day and you'll just become a better person, better coach, mentor, and so forth. I say that to my daughter who's six now, and uh, whenever I pick her up from school, which is pretty much every day, it's the first thing I say to her in the car is, what did you learn today? And her answer is always, what did you learn? <laughs> she's, she's getting smart because she's learning at yes. school she knows you're what are you doing that's at right. home she's right? getting too smart for me pete she's, she's, she's yeah on that's to, awesome she's my trick she says well i learned this what did you learn today <laughs> well that's yeah, great good stuff but uh well look pete I'll, I'll let you get going here um i really i can't say enough how much i appreciate you taking the time out of your your busy schedule to to sit down with me and do this interview it's been a lot of fun thank you very very much for for being on the show and sharing your story with the listeners and always teaching, always learning and, you know, doing what you do. So thank you so much, Pete. I appreciate it. Well, Nick, thanks for having me. Enjoyed it tremendously. I look forward to seeing you at the ABCA. I want to wish you the best of luck with the show because I think it's going to just skyrocket and keep going. And I think a lot of listeners, not just in the U.S., but around the world, will really enjoy it. So um, we'll see you soon. And again, thanks, man. You got it, buddy. I'll talk to you and I'll see you soon. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Hey there, Nick Holmes again. Just wanted to say thank you very much for listening to Love the Game, Live the Dream, brought to you by World Baseball Experience. And if you get a second, please head over to worldbaseballexperience.com and put your email address in there, subscribe to our free newsletter. It's not really a newsletter. It's just me collecting your email address so that I can send you uh, updates and new podcast information, maybe some photos and things like that. But don't worry, I don't have the time to spam anybody. So I promise that uh, I'll only be sending you quality information. <laughs> well, maybe not so much quality, but entertaining nonetheless. If you enjoyed today's episode, please pass it on to all of your seamhead friends out there, your baseball enthusiasts. If you didn't like this episode, then you're probably not still listening. So I appreciate your time. And once again, this is Nick Holmes signing off. We'll see you next time on Love the Game, Live the Dream. Take care.